morning, everybody. All right. It is so exciting to be streaming live from the West Campus of Cedar Creek Church. I'm so excited to be here to worship with you, and it's just a joy for Terry and I just to hang out here, spend some time, worship with you. But I'll also tell you that being here this morning is a great reminder to me of just how faithful our God is. Because you see, just 11 years ago, this was just a dream, a vision that God placed on our hearts as a church to reach out to individuals and families who lived on the west side of town and in our valley community so that we could connect with more people in more places. And then just to be here this morning to meet you, to get to speak to some of you and just to see how awesome it is that we get to have you as a part of the Cedar Creek Church family. So West Campus, thank you for living out the mission and vision of our church and loving your neighbors, loving your community. And thank you, Jesus, that all of us who call Cedar Creek home get to be a part of this great big old family in a whole lot of places, and we get to do life and live on mission together. And that's really what this whole Better Together series is all about. Living out our faith in and through our connections to each other. Now when I say living out our faith, I'm talking specifically about living out God's purposes for our lives. Being who God created us to be. And doing the things that God created us to do. And while we're all called to these purposes individually, we live them out better when we live them out together. And so in this series, each week, we've been looking at a different purpose and we've been drilling down to see how we live out that purpose better together. Two weeks ago, we talked about reaching. That God created us to reach out with the good news of Jesus. And we can do that individually, but we do it better together. We saw a great example of that from the Gospels of the four friends who were able to get their paralyzed friend to Jesus because they worked together. Last week we talked about the purpose of growth. We were created to become more like Jesus. And we discovered some practical ways that we actually help each other grow. Now today, I want to look at what I think is probably the most obvious outward purpose that we were created for, and that is serving. We were created by God to serve God. And we serve God by serving others. But we serve others better when we serve together. Not my words, God's words. Look at what the Bible says, Ecclesiastes 4, 9, the very first verse at the top of your outline. It says, two people are better than one. Why? Because they get more done by doing what? What does that say? Work, West Campus, I know I can't hear you most Sundays, but when I don't finish a sentence, 
I need you to finish it for me. So all of our campuses, let's do that again. Two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. The more connected you are, the more effective you are. Let me say that again. The more connected you are, the more effective you are. Now, can you serve all by yourself? Absolutely. You could leave here today after this service. You could go feed a hungry person. Or you could stop and help somebody change a tire who's broken down on the side of the road. You can serve by yourself, but why would you? When you can serve so much better. Yes, you can serve by yourself. You just can't serve as well by yourself. Why? Because you don't have everything in you that you need to meet all the needs of the people around you. That's why God designed the church. Notice what Paul writes in Romans 12. He says, we are many parts of one body, that's the church, and in His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. There are certain things that you do well, and there are certain things that the people around you do well. And together, we can do a lot of different things really, really well. And here at Cedar Creek Church, the way and the place we do that most effectively is in our home groups. We serve best when we serve as a home group. Now, when I talk about serving others in home group, I'm really talking about a two-sided coin. We serve each other inside the group, and then we serve others outside the group by serving together. It's what we call mutual ministry and outreach. Mutual ministry is caring for, meeting the needs, helping each other within the home group, and then outreach is meeting the needs of people out in our community. And so the goal of every home group is to care for and serve each other within the group and then serve together in the community as a group. That's how we serve better together. So what I want to do this morning is focus on the how. How do we do this more effectively? How do we build strong serving teams? And I want to use the word team as an acrostic to share four keys that are essential to building strong teams. And while I'm talking specifically this morning about home group, you can apply these principles to any group in your life. You can use these principles to help your family become a more effective team, to, to help your coworkers become a more effective team. They work anywhere, everywhere, because they're from God's Word. And all truth is God's truth. So let's jump in. How do we serve as a team? How do we build a team? The T in team is trust. Trust. When it comes to serving together, trust is a must. Why? Because trust is the glue that bonds individuals to one another. And the more bonded we are to each other, the more effective we are at serving, accomplishing the task. It's one of the things I learned very early on in my brief career as a high school football coach 
is that the most effective teams I coached were not a bunch of talented individuals, but actually a group of mediocre talented individuals who were willing to trust one another, to have each other's backs, to be a family. Any of y'all ever seen the movie When the Game Stands Tall? Starring Jim Caviezel. Anybody besides me? Yeah, like three. It wasn't a huge box office success, but it's a great movie. I don't recommend a lot of movies, but this is one I would check out at some point. It's the story of a high school football team in California that had the longest winning streak of any football team of any age group. Over 150 consecutive games. Think about that in high school. That's 15 years without ever losing a game. And the reason for their success was not because they were a huge school with a lot of talented players. It's not because they recruited. It was because they had a program in which they built a sense of trust and family within the players. And in trusting one another, having each other's backs, loving each other, they were successful as a team. That same principle applies to serving God. Take the Apostle Paul, right? Probably one of the greatest servants of God who ever lived. I mean, this guy planted almost all of the New Testament churches. He, he planted churches all over the known world. He wrote three quarters of the New Testament. Paul did a lot of serving God, but guess what? Paul never served alone. He always built teams around him. When he would go into a town to plant a church, he would work with a team. Even in writing the New Testament epistle letters, Paul, most of them, Paul did not write with his own hand. He wasn't a great handwriter. When he got old, he couldn't see that well. And so he had teammates who had good handwriting write those letters so they would be legible. He worked with a team. But in order for him to work effectively with that team, he had to trust the people on that team. That's why he writes these words in 1 Timothy 6.20. He says, Timothy, this is a young teammate of his, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Circle the word entrusted. See, Paul had to trust Timothy, and Timothy had to be trustworthy. That same thing is true in our home groups. If we're going to trust each other in the group in order to serve better together. So what does this look like for us? What would this look like in our home group today? Well, for those of you who are home group leaders, trusting would mean stop trying to do everything all by yourself. Right? If you're always the one who leads the study, you're always the one who hosts, you're always the one who prepares the meal or the snack, you're always the one who organizes the outreach activities. If you're doing it all yourself, you're not building a team, you're building dependence. Great leaders don't do everything. Great leaders equip, empower, and encourage, and release people to do what God has created them to do. That's what it would look like to trust in our home groups. It would also look like this. Those of us who are members of the group, we need to stop expecting the group leaders to do it all. And for that to happen, that means we got to step up. 
We got to be willing to say, I'll host, I'll help with the meal, I'll organize the outreach activity, you know, I'll do this. We need to step up. And when we're given a task, be trustworthy. Do our best to complete that task. See, study after study has shown that the most effective churches are the churches where there is a strong bond of trust between the congregation and the leaders. The congregation trusts the leaders to lead, and the leaders are trustworthy with what they do with that. But also the leaders trust the people to do the things that God has called them to do. If our home groups are going to be strong, serving teams, then they have to be built on strong bonds of trust. Number two, the E in team is empathy. Empathy is a critical part of team building, which seems kind of strange when you think about it, right? Most of us don't think about having empathy as being part of building a strong serving team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, empathy for the people we're serving, empathy for the hungry or the homeless or the hurting. We, sh- we should have empathy that would motivate us to move and act on their behalf. But why do we need empathy for each other within the group to serve outside the group well? Here's why. Because the more aware we are with what's going on with each other, the more we can help each other. And the more we help each other, the better we are able to serve others. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Peter 3.8. It says, finally, all of you should be of one mind, right? You should be a team together. And then the very next sentence says, sympathize with each other. I mean, that seems disjointed, like, you know, that Peter's changing subjects. Why does he put these two things together? What do these two things have to do with each other? Everything. Everything. Track with me. It's hard to care about the hungry when you have deep hungers within you. It's hard to care about the needs of others when you have unmet needs in your life. Two of the biggest emotional needs that every one of us have is a need for understanding and a need to be valued. We're all wired with that need to have somebody or somebody's understand what we're going through, what we're feeling, what we're thinking. And we also have a need to be valued, to know that we matter to somebody. What I'm saying is as we meet those needs for each other Inside the group, as we help keep each other filled up as a group, then we can pour out our lives in service to those outside the group. You know, as I said at the beginning of this, when we talk about serving in home group, it's inside and outside, mutual ministry and outreach. What I'm saying now is that the better we are at mutual ministry, the more effective we'll be at outreach. I think that's part of what Jesus meant when he said, people will know you are my disciples by your love for each other. Yes, our unity with one another is a testimony to Jesus, but I also believe as we love on, care for, and meet each other's needs, we can be a witness by the way we serve. We can give our lives away 
when we're being filled up by the people closest to us. Great serving teams are built on trust. They're built on empathy. And the A in team is accommodation. Accommodation. It's not just about being empathetic to each other. It's about making accommodation for each other. What does that mean? What is accommodation? What does it mean to make accommodation for someone? What do you think of when you hear that word? If you had a friend coming in from out of town and they called you and said, Hey, can you help me with accommodations? What would you think they're asking? Right? A space, a room, a hotel room, or, or one of your guest rooms. That's what accommodation means. It means making room for others. And so as a church, we need to make room for others, not only physically, but we need to make room relationally. See, when I think about Cedar Creek Church and the history of our church, we are masters at making physical accommodations for others. We make physical room for people. We've been doing it for 26 years, from five couples meeting in a living room. And when that wasn't big enough, they moved into a daycare, rented daycare center to make room. And when there wasn't room in that, they bought 14 acres out on Banks Mill Road and built a worship center that would hold 350 people. And when that wasn't enough to accommodate, they knocked out the walls and could seat 500 in every service. And when that wasn't big enough, they accommodated by building a 1,500-seat worship center. And then now with a multi-site strategy, it's not just about making more seats and accommodating people at one location. It's about opening more doors and providing more seats for more people in more places to reach more people. We're great at making physical accommodation for others. But where this gets hard, where the struggle is, is making relational accommodation for each other. Giving other people the space to be different than we are. And that's even more difficult as our culture becomes more and more divisive and divided. As we become more tribal and we're breaking up over political views or lifestyles or race or creed or any of that, it becomes hard for us to make relational accommodation for people who are different from us. But I'm going to tell you, you can't have a team without making relational accommodation. Notice what the Bible says, 2 Timothy 2.22. I love this from the contemporary English version. It says, always do the right thing. Be faithful, loving, and easy to do what? What does that say? Easy to get along with. That's relational accommodation. Are you? Are you easy to get along with? Or maybe I should ask it this way. Do the people around you think you're easy to get along with? You should see the elbows going on right now. It's awesome. See, we have a tendency to demand that others look like us, think like us, talk like us, and vote like us. And if they don't, we've got no room for them. But let me tell you, in a home group setting, you are going to have people who have a different perspective. They're going to have different ideas. 
They're going to have a different point of view than you do. And what I'm saying is rather than letting those differences divide us, we need to leverage them to make us more effective at serving others. As we used to say in the coaching world, you got to let the blockers block and the runners run. You got to let the throwers throw and the catchers catch. And if you'll do that together, we'll make a great team. So here's some practical application for this week. This week in your home groups, you're going to be planning your Be the Church project. For those of you that don't know what Be the Church is, this is a Sunday. This year it's March 29th. We are taking a Sunday and instead of coming to church that Sunday morning, we're going to go be the church. Instead of coming for a service, we're going to go out and be servants. We do that on Sunday mornings. Why? Because who will you be serving? Who will you be rubbing shoulders with on a Sunday morning? People who don't go to church. So you're going to be talking about what your group's going to do on that Sunday morning. As you're planning, I want to encourage you to do two things. One, be open to ideas that are different than your ideas. Somebody in your group might come up with an idea, and you'll be saying, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Oh, you won't say it. Hopefully you won't say it, but you'll think it. And in my experience, whenever I've thought that, it usually means one of two things. Either it really is a dumb idea, but most of the time, it's an idea that's different from how I think. It's not something I would have come up with. So be open to ideas that stretch you. And then secondly, bring your ideas to the table. Pray and ask God, God, lead me. If you, you want me to be the one that brings an idea to the group, then move me by the Holy Spirit and bring that idea to the table. See, great serving teams are built on trust. They're built on empathy, on accommodation. And then finally, number four, the M, the most important thing in a team, mission. Mission. Teams need a mission. They need a cause. They need a purpose. They need a reason to exist. Let me tell you something. A home group without a mission is not a home group. It's just a social club. It's just a group of people who enjoy being together. A home group without a mission is like a football team without a schedule. They may show up and practice every week. They may all wear matching uniforms, but without an opponent, they are not a team. And without a mission, you're not a home group. And not only do we need to have a mission, but we need to have the right mission. And as a church, we've been given a very clear mission from Jesus himself. It's found in the Great Commission, those marching orders that Jesus gave us to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have taught you, and I am with you even to the end of the age. That's what we mean at Cedar Creek when we say helping people find their way back to God. That's a simple way for us to communicate this sense of living out on mission, the Great Commission. Hear this. Please hear this. Our mission as a church is not just to do good works. There's nothing in the Great Commission about being out doing good deeds in the community. So why do we do that? Because it is a means to an end. By showing real 
tangible, practical expressions of love. Our prayer is that it would open doors for us to have an opportunity to share the life-transforming good news of God's love to the people we serve. If we're just about doing good deeds for the sake of good deeds, we're not a church on mission. We're just another community service organization. We might as well be the Kiwanis or the Rotary or the Lions Club. Nothing wrong with those organizations. They do a lot of great work. That's just not what Jesus died for his church to do. He died for us to live on mission. That's why Paul writes these words in Philippians 1.27. He says, be sure that you live in a way that brings honor to the good news of Christ. Standing strong with one purpose. That you work together as one for the faith of the good news. All Cedar Creek Church home groups are purpose-driven groups. That's what this whole series has been about. Living out God's purposes together. Here's the struggle. All of our groups have always started as purpose-driven, mission-driven groups. The problem is, over time, mission drifts. Over time, we get complacent and comfortable, and we lose sight of the mission. In the 20-plus years I've been doing this, I can tell you, I've seen it happen in home groups. I've seen it happen in churches. And I've seen it happen in whole denominations. Losing sight of the ultimate mission we're called to. That's why Paul writes these words in Philippians 2.2. He says, Make my joy complete. By being of the same mind, that's a team, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, the mission. Circle the word maintaining. Because see, not only is Paul saying you got to be united as a team with one purpose, one mission, but he said you got to work to maintain that. Because mission leaks. Mission creeps you got to be intentional. So how do you do that? How can you make sure you individually and your home group collectively maintain that strong sense of mission? Well, one of the things you can do is just talk about it. Just regularly talk as a group about your ultimate mission. Why are we here? Another thing you can do is evaluate your group. Evaluate yourselves together because we don't do what's expected, we do what's inspected. In fact, in two weeks, as part of your home group guide, you're going to have a tool to help you as a group evaluate yourselves on how you're doing on mission, how you're doing at these five purposes that we exist for. I would encourage you, have honest conversations as a group about how strong the sense of mission is with your home group. Because if our home groups are really going to serve well, if we really are going to be effective serving teams, we've got to have a strong sense of mission. Here's why. Because the stronger the sense of mission is, the more that connection is going to impact our individual lives and the more we're really going to impact our community and the world around us. And that, folks, is the whole reason we exist as a church.
Would you pray with me? Well, Father, I thank you this morning that you have clearly reminded us through the unchanging truth of your word what you have called us to do. To not only live out these purposes, but to live them out in authentic community. And so, Father, I pray as we continue to connect, we continue to reach new people and connect them in all kinds of new places to your family, to your body, that we would never lose sight of the why behind it. That we would never lose sight of what you've called us to do. And that we would stay focused on what truly matters and let go of lesser things for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen.